you have your Bibles, uh, Judges chapter number 7. And we also want to look at another verse of Scripture, the book of Psalms chapter 20 and verse 6. Judges 7, chapter 7 and verse 2. It says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So 22,000 went home, 10,000 stayed. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. The next few verses it describes or explains where the Lord asked Gideon to have them drink, and based on how they were drinking the water, it was a means of signifying or narrowing down who were the ones that God wanted to use to help deliver Israel? Verse number 7 says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. I just thought this was interesting when I was reading this passage. It said, God said, There are too many people for me to save Israel. Our mentality would be there's not enough soldiers for me to save Israel. So he narrowed said if you're afraid go home. 22,000 go home there's 10,000 left. God said there's still too many for me to deliver Israel. And so through this process he narrowed it down to 300 men that God was going to use. Now, before you draw any conclusions, think, well, 300 is a lot of people. The Bible says that the host of Midian uh, were encamped like grasshoppers for multitude. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of them and 300 men. As you read through the story, you discover that these men that were going to, God was going to use to deliver Israel weren't going to be armed with swords and spears and shields and the latest technology but they were going to fight the battle with nothing but a trumpet, a pitcher, and a lamp. No swords, no shields, no arrows, bows, none of those things, no battering rams. 300 men against perhaps 100,000 people. And all they had were pitchers, lamps, and trumpets. In uh, Psalms chapter number 20 and verse 6, says, Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another passage, it talks when Hezekiah uh, was deciding how he was going to fight. He said, uh, 
the, uh, the Amalekites, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Assyrians have more warriors than we do. They have the arm of the flesh. But we have our Lord that's going to fight for us. And I believe that God is on the side of the righteous. God is on the side of the faithful. God is on the side of the believer. And when you have God on your side, you are always in the majority. Praise God. Amen. And I want to preach for a few moments on what it takes for a miracle. What it takes for a miracle. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your power and your presence and your blessing that we feel in the house today. We pray, Jesus, that you would take over this service. Use me simply as a vessel through which your spirit flows and through which your word is revealed. I pray in your powerful and precious name, Lord God, that you would do in this place what cannot be attributed to humanity or flesh or talent or skill. We pray in the name of the Lord for your spirit to be unleashed and for people's faith, uh, Lord God, to connect with the power and the promises of God. And this, Lord Jesus, beautiful cocktail or concoction of faith and promises and supernatural power would produce your purpose in this place today. And we thank you for it right now, Lord God. And I believe you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. You got too many soldiers for me to be able to deliver the, the, the enemy into your hands is what God told them. Now, whenever we think about what it's going to take to be victorious, what it's going to take to be successful, what it's going to take to win, we always have a tendency as human beings to say, do I have what it takes do I have the necessary components or the materials in order to ensure that I can accomplish what I want to accomplish? If we're going to make something or build something or create something, we want to make sure I've got everything that I need. If you're going to fabricate or make a dress, you want to make sure you have the material, the thread, the needles, the sewing machine, all the materials and the tools that you need to get it done. This is the way the arm of the flesh operates. This is the way fleshly thinking happens. We want to make sure that we got what it takes to pull off whatever we're seeking to accomplish. When you have a construction project, uh, you want to make sure that you've got enough wood and uh, you've got the concrete that you need and the shingles and the roofing and the PVC pipes and the electrical wire and the wallboard and the nails and the screws and the brick and the mortar and all the tools, the hammers, the saws uh, and the trowels and all the various tools uh, that you need to put it together. And it's only wise when you set out to do something to make sure that you have enough materials to accomplish accomplish it. And our mind is conditioned to believe that an accomplishment requires the appropriate materials for the task. But I want to let you know that God works in a way that's quite different than the arm of the flesh. He wants somebody that understands that it's not about what I can accomplish or put together or what I can make happen that it determines the availability of a miracle for me. Because the reality is if I can pull it together, if I have the materials necessary, if I can make it happen, then I I don't need God's intervention and I don't need God's help. Amen. 
story after story in the Word of God where God uses something that is surprising, something that shocks us, what God decides to use. Great famine in all the land. Elijah was God's prophet. How is God going to take care of him? I'm going to send a little raven to bring you food. And then after that, I'm going to use a widow woman. No, I'm not going to allow your connections within the political realm with wealthy individuals to provide or supply for you. I'm going to use something that you would not anticipate, an impossible situation. Amen. We as human beings like to see the materials, but God says uh, those things that you think are the materials for a miracle may be the very thing that keeps you from receiving a miracle. Amen. Amen. There's another story in uh, uh, the book of 2 Kings, I believe it is, uh, 2 Kings chapter number 7, the story in uh, the life of uh, 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 Samaria, the city was tightly shut up. The Syrians had come against the children of Israel and encamped against the city. And as they stopped any movement in and out of the city, the people there began to starve in the city of Jericho in Second Kings chapter 7. It got so bad. And I know sometimes we think the economy is so bad. Gas is... $3.79, and it got over $4 a gallon, $4.50 uh, uh, during the fall. And Man, the economy is so terrible. But in this situation, this seizure of the city of Jericho, it being tightly shut up, it reached the point where the Bible says a donkey's head would sell for 80 pieces of silver, which is about $50. People were paying $50 for the head of a donkey to eat because they were starving. And the economy got so bad that in order to purchase a pint of dove's dung, dove's dung, everybody got that? It was about three bucks for a pint of dove's dung. And then it got so bad that there were agreements made between neighbors that uh, along these lines, if you'll slay your baby and we'll eat it today and then tomorrow or next week we'll kill my baby and eat it. This is how bad the situation was. And Elisha, the Bible says, came to where the king was. In Elisha, uh, 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1, Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Right in the middle of this famine, right in the middle of the city being shut up, he said, Tomorrow, about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Uh, then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make a window in heaven, how could this be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And then here's how the story goes. The army that had uh, encamped against the city of Jericho was camped outside of the city. And outside the city walls, there were four leprous men. Four men who could not even be part of society and culture because of the disease that was eating away at their body and was assumed to be communicable. And so there on the outskirts of the town, 
The town is starving, so their situation's even worse. And they're sitting there starving and about to die. And they turn to one another. And uh, verse 3, it says, The four leprous men said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, well, there's a famine in the city, and we'll die there. And if we stay here, we're going to die also. Now, therefore, come. Let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Which means, how much worse can it get? We're going to die either way. So let's go uh, reveal ourselves and fall into the hands of the enemy camp of Syria. And if we die, hey, we just died. But hey, maybe they'll show mercy and maybe we will live. And the story goes that even though the man, the king's man said it's impossible for this miracle to take place, for provision to happen, even if God made windows in the skies, it would still be impossible. Elisha says it's going to happen, but you're not going to eat of it. Brother Steele said a little bit ago about how uh, Asa or Hezekiah, I believe it was, hired the armies uh, of uh, uh, w- w- sought to hire the armies of a, of a neighboring king to fight the battle for them. And what did God use to deliver Samaria? He didn't use the armies of Egypt or a Hittite army or a plague or fire from heaven. What did He use? What were the materials that God used for a miracle? Four leprous men, four diseased and sick dudes who are at death's door who come stumbling from their place of begging toward the camp of Syria and as they're shuffling their feet down the dusty road to where all the tents of the army are arrayed, all of the Syrians were out there and as they approached, the Bible says that the men in the tents heard them coming. The Bible says the men in the tents really heard them coming because they didn't hear the shuffling feet of four leprous men, but they heard the thunderous sound of horses and chariots, and they began to say to one another in their tents, Oh, my goodness. It looks like the Samaritan king has hired the Egyptians or he's hired the Hittites to come and fight for him. Can you hear the soldiers coming? Can you hear the chariots? Can you hear the sound of the galloping feet of the horses? And the Bible says that all of them got up from their tents and they left all of their stuff there and they hightailed it and ran as far away as they could. And here come the four guys stumbling into the camp, shuffling into the camp, kind of grimacing, hoping that they're not going to get shot through with an arrow. But instead of finding the army there, instead of suffering death, they walked into an empty camp, plenty of food, plenty of provisions, and they were just like, oh my goodness, like the mouse that began to run through the house uh, After Thanksgiving dinner, when everybody went out for a walk, look what happened. Check this out. And I can see them there with big old turkey legs gnawing on them and and just rejoicing and laughing and drinking and refreshing.
refreshing themselves. And then all of a sudden they looked at each other and say, this is not right because there's a whole city that's starving. Let's go tell them, amen, about what took place. And when the city officials found out that the army had hightailed it and that all the provision was there in the valley, they opened up the gate and they went and they enjoyed and they partook. And the prophecy of Elisha came true. In one day, the situation turned around. But I want you to recognize what God used for the miracle. Because we think arm of the flesh, we think, ah, God's going to get the Assyrian army to come down or, or, or the Egyptian army or the Hittites. Or God could send down fire from heaven, thunderous fire, and just absolutely destroy or wipe them out. No, God used the simple faith and the simple courage of four leprous men to come stumbling into the camp and God used his power to deliver. And I want to tell you today that the materials that you think are necessary for God to work on your behalf may be the very thing that keeps God from being able to work for you because God says, I can't do a miracle unless I see an impossible situation. If you can work it out, if you can figure it out, if you can manage it, then go for it. But if there's something in you that says I recognize that I need the Lord and I can't do this by myself and I can't make this happen and I'm not going to trust in the arm of the flesh and I'm not going to trust in all the things that I can accomplish through my ability or power or resources or personality or influence but I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. If you'll be there with us on Tuesday night, we will further continue the study that we started last Tuesday on the importance of recognizing that if you're going to live victorious over sin, you can't do it. You guys with me? Living victorious over sin in this fleshly human body is impossible. Somebody say amen. If it would have worked, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on the cross for our sins. If it would have worked, then Jesus would not have had to made available His Holy Spirit to come inside of us. If you could live for God on your own, then the old law would have been fine. But the Lord Jesus Christ said the old law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ, to help us recognize that we can't do this on our own. And some of you have been trying to live for God through the power of your will and through your effort and through your doing good. But I want to tell you, there, there's something we learned Tuesday night. We learned Tuesday night that there's a phrase that we use a lot that's not even scriptural. And that phrase is living for God. Did you know living for God is not even a scriptural concept? How about this? I'm working for God. Working for God is not even a scriptural concept. Amen. Uh, uh, um, Brother Sergio shared with us again. The Lord said uh, uh, through, through uh, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The point is some of you need to stop living for God and let God live through you. I'm living for God. I'm working for God. Good luck on that one. Amen. 
Amen. You need to get out of the way and let God work through you and let God live through you. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, lay aside the weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. What is the weight? The weight is your past. The weight is your failures. The weight is your sin. But you need to crucify that old man with the lust thereof and say, I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ and reckon ye yourself also to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God. I want to tell you that you can live victorious. You can live above sin but you've got to quit trying to do it with your materials and say, I need God's power. I need the anointing of the Spirit to, to work through me. And I need God and His power. Praise the Lord. Live through me. Now this story that uh, we read in Scripture, the story of Gideon. There were encamped thousands and thousands of soldiers, the Midianites and the Amalekites. Anybody ever noticed that, that in the, in the Bible it was always the ites that were giving problems to God's people? The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Midianites, the Amalekites, any more? Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Rabbavites, Pants Too Tights, Pickafites, all of them. All these problem people that fighting against God's people. Now, all the things in the Old Testament are an example for us of spiritual warfare that we experience in the New Testament. So there's a lot of ites that we fight with in this Christian walk of serving and living for God. It may be trouble at work. It may be difficulty in your family. It may be stress from whatever area that it's coming from. It may be Issues that you have in yourself, things that you can't get the victory over and you seem to struggle with over and over and over again. That's your Jebusite, that's your Midianite, that's your Amalekite. And sometimes it just seems plain impossible. It just seems unlikely. And here they were, all the army was set in array. And the story goes that that, uh, that the Hebrew people, they would plant the crops, and then at the harvest season, the Midianites and the Amalekites who were camped out in the valley would just come up and steal everything, steal all the increase of the earth. And so the children of Israel were greatly impoverished because of this action. So the Midianites and the Amalekites are there, and God calls, well, I'll spare you a lot of the details, but God calls this man named Gideon and calls him while he's threshing wheat behind the wine press so that he can hide it. And he's trying to sneak a little sustenance for his family before the enemy catches him and steals it. And the Lord says to Gideon, uh, uh, the angel says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, if if God's with us, why is all this bad stuff happening? Where's the miracles that our grandpas told us about? I I mean, I heard like generations ago, God would show up and like part the sea. and God would like bring water out of a rock and manna from heaven. Here we are starving. Or God would fight in the past for some of the other judges. But here we are struggling. What's the deal? Where's the miracles? And the angel sent him through a process of dealing with his doubts and giving him faith. uh, Letting fire fall to cook um, a a meal on a rock. And then 
he fleeced the Lord twice so that the fleece would be dry and the ground would be wet. And then he said, well, do it the other way, God. <laughs> so, so then the next time the ground was wet and the fleece was dry. And then finally, here he is. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to use you. You're going to be victorious. You're going to defeat the Midianites and the Amalekites. Thousands of them encamped down there. So he says, okay, I believe. God, you've proven it to me. You've shown it. So I'm putting this army together and we're going to believe and put faith in you and we're going to go fight this battle. So everybody's gathered together. All the men, the warriors, the strong, strapping men gathered together and they get a number of 32,000 which as they look around, they're a little bit excited. Man, look at all these guys here. They're ready to go and some of them brought some of their uh, tools and implements that they might be able to use in warfare. Maybe a few of them had even maybe some slings or uh, a couple swords perhaps among them and they're like, man, let's believe God's going to do great things. And as we read to you, God said, uh, Gideon, come here. I want to fight for you, but you got too many soldiers. There's too many. Because if you win, then you're going to take the credit. You got too many soldiers. So what I want you to do is go and say, if any of you are afraid to go fight, Go home. So he comes in and says, Gentlemen, I, I heard from God. The angel of the Lord spoke to me. And if you are scared about fighting in this battle, go home. And then all of a sudden, 22,000 of his 32,000 went home. And I can just imagine Gideon as they're leaving. And he's left with 10,000 against this great host of Midian. And he says, okay, God, what next? The Lord said, still too many. Are you serious? Too many? And the Lord says, yep. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them to the water, and I'm going to try them now. When they came to the water, the Lord gave instructions to Gideon to have them drink. And based on the way that they drank the water, if they got their head down in the water and drank like a dog, he said, send them home. But if they would take the water in their hand and then drink it from their hands, those were the ones, the Lord said, that I have selected. And this is the way, I, the means I have done to select. These are the ones that I'm going to use to fight the battle. So it gets down to 300 men. And then the Lord says, send everybody else home. These guys that are ready, willing to fight. They're willing to fight. And the Lord says, send them home. And I can just imagine now as 9,700 of his soldiers leave and there's just 300 men and Gideon's watching them leave. And then the Lord gives them the instructions. Everybody get a trumpet. Everybody get a pitcher. Everybody get a lamp in your hand. The lamp was in the pitcher. So they had a trumpet in one hand and a pitcher in the other. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't leave many hands to hold swords and shields with. A trumpet and a pitcher with a lamp. And he says, go at night out to where the Midianites are encamped, get in the hills around the camp, and I want you to wait. And when the signal is given, I want everybody to blast on the trumpet and break the pitcher. 
So I, I just want you to make sure, make sure you understand what we're talking about here. These people are impoverished. These people are struggling. They can't make it. They're about to be extinct. And they get 32,000 together and God narrows it down to 300 and sends them out there with pictures. So you can imagine, I, I was going to try to illustrate this today, but if I took 200 men over here and I gave them swords, the problem is I don't have 200 men here today and I don't have 200 swords. So we can't illustrate it. You'll have to imagine with me. 200 men with swords, not yet, right? And then over here, two guys with a trumpet. I couldn't even find my trumpet today. I don't know where it went to. I used to have a trumpet. A trumpet and a lamp and a pitcher and say, what do you think about these odds? Two guys with trumpets and pitchers and 200 guys with swords. Who's going to win this fight? I think that's pretty easy. It's like a quick work. It's short. But the story goes, I love this story, that when the Lord gave the word in the night, they begin to blast their trumpets and break the pitchers all around, 300 of them, all around the hillside. And in the tents where the men were sleeping, the soldiers were sleeping, the soldiers of the enemy were sleeping, they began to wake up with a start. And uh, let me just put it in slang. It freaked them out. And they began to panic and grab their swords. And in their panic, they started to kill one another until they wiped themselves out. Man. God says, I don't need what you think I need to do what I'm going to do in your behalf, in your life. Oh, God. oh but I got to get this right. I got to get this figured out. I got to get this positioned. I got to get all my chess pieces in line. I got to make sure I've got this, 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 this. And now, God, okay, work. Now, God, work. God says, no, get all that stuff out of the way and let me do it my way. I want to tell you right now, I don't care what it is that's coming against you. There is power through God, through the Holy Ghost to confound it, to turn it against itself. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we, we, we laugh at these people in the Bible. Why didn't they trust God? We got the same problem. Amen. We got the same kind of problems. A new round of layoffs at work. And we're like, oh no, what's happening? We get a pink slip and we stress out. Things happen in our home and our family. And we feel like the world is falling apart. But I want to tell you, the only material you need for a miracle is an impossible situation. got in your hand, Moses? Stick. Okay? I'm going to use that thing. David, what do you have in your hand? I just got a sling. Okay, you're going to defeat the great champion with a sling and a stone. What do you have? What do you have in your hand? I don't have much, but the Lord says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Our God is a miracle-working God. The Bible is a miracle Bible. Supernatural instances, things that don't make sense, things that we can't quantify. And Scientists try to tell us there's no such thing as miracles, that it's all explainable or it's all made up. It's either made up or it's explainable. But I want to tell you that I believe the Word of God, that the walls of the Red Sea were parted when Moses put his staff out over it. And I believe that the 
the great champion Goliath was killed by a little boy named David with nothing but a sling and I believe that no matter what it is that you're facing and no matter what the enemy comes against you with that if you will learn to trust God and quit trying to do it on your own that the Lord will be released into your situation to fight your battle and you can be victorious in Jesus Christ. I wonder if somebody believes that right now. Would you put your hands together and praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. In 2 Chronicles 20 and 15 it says, And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Praise God. Come on, somebody, be encouraged right now. Be encouraged right now. 5,000 hungry people plus the women and children. The disciples say, what are we going to do? We need to send them away. We have no food. This is a desert place. It's getting late. They're starving. Not literally, but they're very hungry. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them hither to me. That's all I need. That's all Jesus needs. Just a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000 people. Amen. The materials that you think God needs for a miracle are not what he needs for a miracle. Hallelujah. God's going to do some great things in our midst. God's going to do some great things in 2013. I believe with all of my heart. But one thing that we've got to keep in mind is that we've got to step back and watch God do his thing. Because if at the end of the year anybody can take any credit for what's happening, then God hadn't been a part of it. But if at the end of the year we step back and say, look what God has done, then we know there's something supernatural at work. We know that something is taking place. I'm challenging the people of God to put your faith in God, to trust God for big things, to believe him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, all things are possible. days are done. I'm counting to make sure we have enough. Do we have enough people for this? Do we have enough resources for this? Is this going to happen? God says, I'm ready to work on your behalf. I believe that we're doing the God's, the gospel work here. We're doing God's work here. 
This is not any personal agenda of anybody in this house. We're trying to do what God wants us to do. Amen. And if it's God's work, then he's going to provide. If he's directing and guiding us, he's going to meet our needs and he's going to take care of us. Amen. How many feel at home here yet? You guys feel at home in this building? You feel like this is your church now? Amen. I can remember trying to figure out how is God going to do this? And then it inched over into this idea of how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish? We're full in our building. There's no space. What are we going to do? And we thought and we schemed and we planned and we worked. And it's wise to do that because we're talking about material things. But God stepped in and said, let me do something that nobody in this place even thought about. Ideas that nobody came up with and nobody gets any credit for. And God opens doors. Now, I want to tell you, if he can do that with a building, how many believes that he can do that with revival in our community? I'm trying to inch the faith up in this house because if we believe God, anything is possible. What do you need for a miracle? Oh, you don't need this much money. What do we need for revival? You don't need this many volunteers or this many people. What do we need for God to show up? You don't need this, 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 and this, and this. All you need is a situation that seems impossible and some people that are willing to believe that God is able to step in and to do a work. Come on, somebody. I want somebody in this house to believe that God's able to step in, that God's able to make a difference, that God's able to work on our behalf. Amen. I want to make it personal right now before we pray together. I want to bring it down to where you're living in your house, where you're living in your mind and your mentality and your thought process. There are some things that God has spoken over your life in terms of promise. There are some things that God wants to unfold in your life. But when you assess your talents, your gifts, you assess your limitations, your failures, your mistakes, you say, I don't have what it takes for God to do what he's spoken to my heart. It's not there. I don't have the capacity. I want to tell you right now that it doesn't matter how broken you are, how many mistakes that you've made, how many failures in your past that there are. There is a God that can take brokenness and turn it into something powerful. There is a God that can take wasted years and turn them into promise. There is a miracle working God that can take something that is dead, that can take something that is hopeless, that can take something that is broken and turn it into a vessel for his honor and for his glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just going to speak faith right now. There are some soul winners in this house, and you don't even know it yet. You're looking around for another soul winner to pop up. You're looking for God to send in the right person, God to bring this revival individual. God's put that anointing on your life. Amen. God's going to use you to see miracles take place in the lives of other people. Somebody listen to the word of God right now. You're going to see it. It's going to unfold in your life. 
I don't have what it takes. Guess what? That's what makes you a candidate for what God wants to do. Man, we people come in. Boy, I'm so gifted and helpful. Man, this church really needs me. Come on, somebody. All we need is God. Amen. All we need is his power and his provision, his anointing. Amen. And people that are willing to let the Holy Spirit work through them. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You know, uh, there's an old nursery rhyme. I'm going to close with this. Said, uh, said this, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. He's Humpty Dumpty. Everybody, I've always seen the picture of Humpty Dumpty like being an egg with arms and legs, but I don't know if that's what originally what it was. And what's he doing up on the wall? I don't know. These are the un, untold things. Anybody ever heard the nursery rhyme before where uh, uh, rockabye baby in the treetop? What's the baby doing in the treetop? I mean, seriously, can't you think of a better place? To rock your baby, the bow breaks, the baby will fall, down comes the cradle, baby, and all. I don't know what these guys were, I don't know what was going on when they put these rhymes together, and then we start repeating them. Humpty Dumpty, what's he doing on the wall? I don't know. He's sitting there. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Hmm. Now we can start to relate to this dude. I don't know what he got on the wall for, but... <laughs> I've had some falls in my life. I've made some serious mistakes. Made some blunders. Messed up relationships. Messed up uh, potential and career. Messed up in these various areas of my life. And, and the story says, Humpty Dumpty, sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And then it says, all the king's horses and all the king's This is the way my crazy brain thinks. I'm like, of course, horses can't put things together. <laughs> and then I thought, what is it talking about? The king's horses and the king's men. All the potential, the arm of the flesh couldn't put this broken thing <laughs> back together again. And there's no amount of ingenuity and effort, human capability that can take something that's been smashed and put it back together again. King's horses couldn't do it. The king's men, the king's strength couldn't do it. But I want to remind you of the scripture. It says the Lord fights for his anointed. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. We will trust in or believe in the name of the Lord, our God. And I want to tell you, when you look at somebody as a lost cause, and you look at somebody and say their life's a mess, and you look at somebody and you say, man, they really ruined things. They really destroyed things. And you try to imagine how anything beautiful could come out of that life, and you can't put it together not enough programs and not enough resources. But I want to tell you that when the king steps in, when the Lord steps in, when God begins to work in his mysterious way to perform his wonders, there is no limitations 
on what God can do. I want to remind you that God spoke to this church. And God said, this is going to be the end. We're going to be partners in lost causes. People whose lives are a mess who don't have the materials to be used of God, who don't have the materials to make a difference. This church, come on, somebody, is not going to be built because the right people are going to walk through the door with the right amount of resources and the right connections and so on and so forth. It's going to be people that are broken, people that everybody else gave up on. Come on, someone. People that have not a hope to make a difference in their own family, much less in the world. They can't even get their own business taken care of, much less make a difference in somebody else's life. But the power of the gospel is this. God can do what all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't do. Some trust in horses. Some trust in resources. Some trust in ability. Some trust in humanity. Some trust in the arm of the flesh, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. Why don't we stand our feet right now? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was just wondering a few minutes ago, I wonder how those 300 men felt when they got handed their standard issue weapons. Okay, we're going to go fight. Here you go. Here's a, here's a lamp and a pitcher. I want you to hold that in this hand. And here's a trumpet. You know how to make a sound on the trumpet? You can't just blow through it. you got to go right in the mouthpiece. That's how you make the sound. Okay, you got that? You, you figured out how to make the... for Israel with this thing with this right here but I thought I'd get a sword where's my coat of mail where's my spear where's all the things that I thought I was going to need to fight this battle no I'm going to put this in your hands because this is God's miracle materials an impossible situation and some people that have enough faith in God to go out and do something that doesn't even seem to make sense and believe that God is going fight for them. Praise God. I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to do what God says. And I want you to just picture right now me walking around this building and handing everybody their pitcher of mail and everybody their trumpet. Maybe you're trying to think, how's this going to happen? Pastor, how's revival going to come to my family? I've got I've got these own, my own issues that I'm struggling with. I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to this church and He's wanting to let you know that your shortcomings and mistakes in your past are not going to keep you from influencing people in your future. The shortcomings and mistakes and failures of your past are not going to limit your influence over people that have needs. It's been too long that you've been allowing your gift to lie there unwrapped because of a sense of insecurity and uh, uh, inadequacy or um, unworthiness. Let's just settle it once and for all. Ain't none of us worthy. I'm standing here holding the mic. 
preaching. Man, I made so many mistakes. I made so many mistakes in my life. Amen. All of us have been disqualified over and over and over again if it's a performance thing, but it's not a performance thing. It's a grace thing. And God's going to use you, and God's going to work through you. And so I'm putting a pitcher in your hand. I'm putting a trumpet in your hand. We're going into 2013, and there's territory to take. There's lives to be impacted. I shut the Hallelujah. Brother Ulysses, come here. I just feel like laying hands on you right now. I feel like God wants to multiply your influence. And this year, I believe God wants to multiply your influence in broken lives. That's the key right now. God wants to multiply your influence in broken lives. And this is going to be the measure of the success of what God's doing through you. Humpty Dumpty back together again. Broken lives put together. And nobody saying, nobody being able to say, what was this program or this person? But all we all stand back and say, look what God has done. Look what God has done. you to grab your pitcher and your trumpet. I want you to come up to the front right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just bring it. Bring your pitcher. said if he'd have been here a day later he'd be a dead man but God's grace and mercy brought him there in time and he's standing with us today let's thank God for that hallelujah in the name of Jesus don't you lift up your hands right now and praise the Lord God's going to start to work in this place right now
Praise the Lord. I want you to pray with somebody. Encourage them in the Lord right now. Hallelujah. We're glad to have our life kids with us today. There's a child close by. I want you to pray with them. Let the Holy Spirit touch them right now. I feel the presence of the Lord. I'm glad to be in the Holy Ghost meeting today. That's a Holy Ghost meeting and Jesus is here. Holy Spirit flow. Holy Spirit Jesus move. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord God, that you would break yokes. Holy Spirit, I pray, Jesus, that you would revive faith. Holy Spirit, in the name of the Lord, we pray that the glory of the Lord fill the house. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord.
feel the Holy Ghost prompting me to tell somebody you need to take a little journey right now down memory lane. Some of you need to recall the miracles that God has already performed in your life. We, like the children of Israel, become so forgetful. And when we face a new challenge, we forget the victory that God has already worked in our life in the past. And I believe there's somebody in here that needs to give praise to God again, all over again, for something that he has done in your life. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was six years ago. Maybe it was a miracle in your family. Maybe it was a financial miracle. It was an impossible situation where God stepped in for you. And I want you to thank him for it right now. I want you to give him praise because faith is going to come through that praise and thanksgiving for what God's already done right now. There's fresh faith, fresh faith flowing in the house right now. God is moving in this house, and I know he's dealing with each one of us individually. God's like that. He's dealing with things in our lives. And I wonder one more time before we close out this service, if you'd find a brother or a sister, put your arm around them right now. Link up, and let's lift them up in prayer. And let's, let's, let, let's 
ask God on their behalf that God would show up strong and mighty in their lives. Come on right now, let's lift our, each other up. Let's lift one another up, Jesus. You see my brother, God. You see my sister, Lord. God, you know the struggles they have. And sometimes the doubts, Lord. And sometimes the, the enemy coming against us in circumstances, God. Lord, but lift my brother up, God. Fill, infuse them with faith, God. Fill them with your faith, God to believe you for impossible situations. God, to believe you for the miraculous. Come on, let's lift each other up right now. still moving and if you're still praying just uh, remain praying Let, let's let's be respectful of those that are still praying and hug one another greet one another encourage them let them know you know what God is the God of the impossible hallelujah 